Welcome to the Black Sheep Podcast today, and I might screw that up. I'm going to tell you that right away. Boris Milankovic. Milankovic. Right on, yeah. Fucking yeah. That's the French accent. Just did everything here. So, just so for for our listener, Boris, you're you're still serving in the military. You almost at 25 years, close to it. Uh, you you were you're a public servant as well. I mean, in the military, you did infantry intelligence and mp mp for people who don't know what that is it's not a minister of something something but a military police um you don't own... judge me on that. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they will um and you're also the director of training of the true north uh trade craft uh, and i yeah. forgot you wrote two books and that's what i want to talk about not so much the uniform you wear but um I read the first book, I mean, two years ago, I think, or three years, we talked to each other online and you gave me a chance to, uh, you sent me the book actually that you're going to release soon enough. Um, and now my memory is so awful. Thank you to my PTSD. Um, the first book, let's start with this because I don't have a third edition, but I'm going to get it. This is this Disaster Preparedness Guide. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, you have it there. Perfect. Awesome. I love it. Um, and the other one is Negative Space. Now, there we go. Uh, and I, I'll put them in, in the link as well, just so people read it. The, the, so first thing first, for the people who want to love to read books, number one, it's so easy. It was easy to read you. Uh, and I'm not saying that because I have a language barrier. I don't have a language barrier. Thank you. Um, but it feels like you speak to me directly. And, and it was clear, concise, and, and there's no questioning in the words you use. So I love that. Number two... Okay. I find it fantastic that your book is coming out while whatever is going on in the world now. Um, so first thing first, give me a first, like a small synopsis of what that book is so people understand what it is. And then we're going to fall into questions, world question, and what we're sitting in with this. So you want to know about Negative Space? Yes, sir. Okay. So Negative Space uh, is my newest book, uh, and it's about personal security uh, in a nutshell. Uh, so personal security takes a couple of different forms, but generally it's looking at, uh, violence, uh, being used against you and how you can mitigate those, uh, those threats of violence in your everyday life. Um, so I guess with, with it, my, my goal was to kind of take a look at how violence affects our, our lives. Like violence is a tool, right? Uh, Bad guys use it to get something from you and good guys use it to stop bad guys, right? So uh, generally speaking, that's that's what it's about. Uh, but I live in downtown Toronto. Um, recently, there's been, you know, spats of uh, increased violence in, uh, in the city. But in general, um, having the wherewithal uh, out and about in the world is an important factor of being able to keep yourself safe. Um, when I when I teach classes, I look at kind of a continuum of violence. So kind of everything that happens before a violent encounter, the violent encounter itself, and then what happens after. Yeah. Um, and one of the fundamental things of keeping yourself safe is your awareness, right? So um, it's something that is ingrained in you in, in a different way in the military, right? Um, learning about being aware and you know, observing things and whatever. But for a civilian crowd, uh, you have to take a different approach to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I when I teach it, we look at situational awareness uh, and just starting to build up 
how you go about things in your daily life, um, how you prepare to travel. Uh, so I take a, a really solid look at uh, travel security uh, in its own way, because it's important um, to be prepared to go out into the world yep. uh, with the right mindset, with the right um, the right way, the best practices. Putting your phone away is uh, probably one of the most uh, effective means of increasing your situational awareness. Yeah. Uh, if you if you're walking around, I don't know how often uh, on the sidewalk or when I'm driving, people are looking at their phones, and there's near misses to like, you know, walking into traffic or near misses with car accidents. And it's all because of people's phones. Yep. So, um, but negative space takes a look at uh, the average person. And uh, when I wrote it, I looked at the, the missing piece that I would want somebody in Canada to give me direction on how to be safer. Uh, our American cousins to the south, they have more options. Uh, yeah. A lot of their literature, a lot of their training is based on carrying a gun or carrying a weapon of some sort. Uh, we live in a far less permissive society in Canada, mm -hmm. and carrying weapons are generally frowned upon, if not outright illegal. So um, nobody's carrying, a you know, unless you're a criminal, um, nobody's carrying it like a, you know, a piece on them, you know, and if they get assailed on the sidewalk is going to pull it out and, and, you know, yep. bust a few caps. It's, it's not realistic in our society. Um, you know, if you're carrying a knife for defense, you're looking at all kinds of trouble if you end up, you know, being stopped by police or whatever yep. with it. So weapons generally are not an option. So you have to look at other ways to keep yourself safe and um, awareness uh, and being able to spot danger as it's developing around you and then takes active steps to either avoid it or to uh, engage it effectively is going to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I remember what, when I was a kid and I was starting out in martial arts, it was uh, one of the things that the sensei says, like the best way to win a fight is to just not be there. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's stayed with me and it's been, you know, it's it's one of those things that that's talked about in all kinds of various tactical and martial arts circles, but it holds true. Um, you know, violence happens where people are. Um, you, you you're not you know if you're you're alone in a desert, and I mean really alone in a desert. Um, you're not. There's nobody there to harm you, right? You can't be attacked by somebody because there's nobody there to attack you. But if you end up in a large city or anywhere there are other people, there's always a chance yep. uh, of a violent encounter. Mm -hmm. um, and being prepared for such a thing is uh, is going to be important to you. Uh, shrugging your shoulders and saying, well, that doesn't happen because I live in a good neighborhood and that's a, that's a relative term yeah. or um, I don't have anything somebody would want. Uh, th these are, these are really naive um, mentalities that are being put there. Um, I've had conversations with people where they say, well, if someone came at you and said, you know, give me your wallet or I'm going to beat you up type thing. You don't know if, if someone's taking that step, they've already, put it in their minds that they are willing to do you harm but by 
taking their word that they will let you go if you give them your wallet, you're giving a lot of power to that person because you don't know what their end goal is. Yeah. So, um, you know, sure. Someone pulls a knife, says, give me your wallet. Here's my wallet. And I'm running the other way. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't want, if I don't have to, I don't want to engage in something like that because don't care who you are. Chances of you making out of that unscathed are very, very small. Right. Yeah. Uh, But you also can't be assured of the mental state of that person. Like if you're crazy enough to do something like that to somebody else, they're probably crazy enough to go farther and, and finish you off. So do I want to play with that? Do I want to roll the die on that? No. So uh, I get into a lot of different dynamics in the book, uh, the pre-violence, regular, like the actual violence uh, encounter, and then looking at what happens after. Um, one of my specialties in, that I um, uh, train in and deliver training on is counter custody. So getting out of restraints. Um, so all, all the classic like rope, tapes of various kinds, zip ties of various kinds, and handcuffs of various kinds from around the world. Um and uh, self-rescue is the kind of the name of the game there. And that's all post-violence stuff, but we don't want to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, ideally, we just want to make it through our day and get home and not have to deal with those types of things and not actually get into a, uh, a you know, a violent encounter with somebody. Uh, so when we do run training, it's, uh, you know, we focus uh, a fair amount on the situational awareness, behavioral analysis, preparation mentality uh mindset um all those sorts of things uh with a goal of avoiding any kind of violent encounter uh we get into some combative stuff not not a lot uh but with a focus that we're not actually in a fight because a fight is a contest between two people yep. um we're not we're not there to like win win a contest we're there to cause damage to somebody so they cannot continue their assault on us and get away okay uh, not to teach someone a lesson and, you know, give them a smiley face on the sidewalk. No, we want create a window of opportunity to get away. And then we look at that kind of post-violence situation um, or other things. Um, you know, what if what if someone uh, roofies your drink and you end up yep. handcuffed to a radiator in a basement somewhere? How are you going to get yourself out of that or give yourself the highest probability of self-rescue? Um and that's the, those kinds of scenarios uh, uh, is what we focus on, right? Home invasions, um, possible kidnappings, things like that, and using uh, generally available restraints, right? Yep. Um, so we don't we don't look at things like oh you're you know you're in a prison or something and they've got you like shackled with leg irons and all this sort of stuff, and it's not about uh, uh, like magicians doing escapes and stuff like that. It's just you know, more, a little more realistic as much as we can make it for, for things like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, you brought a bunch of good points and I, and I kind of loved it. You brought the, the mindset now, number one, the mindset of someone who wants to survive or someone who doesn't want to get in conflict is a specific one because we live in North America where a good percentage of population are, I would say, unaware of the reality by choice. Uh for XYZ reason, and I'm not there to do psychology. I'm just here to point it out. Um, like you said, like it will never happen to me for, or I'm, I'm not putting myself in those situations. Sometimes those situations does not happen because it's you. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's because someone looked at you rolling and you seem to be a fair enough, um, I mean, uh, prey, right? Because that's literally yep. what it is. Prey to be attacked for X, Y, Z reason. Why are they doing it? It's not because uh, you have pretty hair or whatever that else Maybe It's because you might fulfill the need that they have to get some whatever drugs at the end of the day, uh, of it or or whatever the hell maybe um and and the other aspect and you're right you you made it for canadian because you're talking about uh space in between people you i mean about about a closeness and we are a country we come into the bubbles of people we really really yeah. do um and, and i don't know why we do such thing but we do um when you go to other countries, you don't stay close like this. It's not something that happened so far. We're a very social uh, culture, I guess. Um, so, I mean, first thing first, where did you learn about those those dangerous behavior? Like, where did you start learning about those? Like, is it just by you looking at society? Is it? Uh... So I'm not I'm not like a sociologist or anything. Uh, I'll just put that to rest. Uh, for like, I started martial arts when i was a kid and it's I've, I've done different ones over the years and whatnot um but during my my kind of public service career uh, i was a customs officer so when i started that you know you learn about uh behavioral indicators and stuff like that and what they mean and um my last year there i was on a specialized enforcement unit so they sent us for more advanced training on stuff like that so when you're roving and whatnot you can start to identify different uh behavioral markers etc so um that started my foundation for that and then over the years uh i started the the training and the opportunities that i took advantage of that have now become true north tradecraft um were going down to the us and learning from various people down there and a lot of it was bits and pieces of various kinds of skill sets some of them more focused than others but uh situational awareness was was always a foundation if you're trying to keep yourself safe uh not being aware of what's going on around you and behaviors of people they're they're going to be uh without them that you're you're going to be at a disadvantage mm -hmm. so that's like over the years as, as that's built up and built up that's kind of how i gained uh my skill sets now uh, more recently a couple years ago i did a um an instructor course with um uh, emergence they're a, a, a consultancy firm out of san diego okay. uh so yusuf badu uh he uh, ex-marine corps uh, in the u.s and developed uh one of their their programs for being able to uh i guess combat awareness yeah and uh and so he developed the program for the marine corps and then when he got out he developed it uh same concepts but more palatable for the civilian market right okay. so i did uh, an instructor certification through him on that and then just been doing this kind of uh um more and more right and and uh tailoring it more to to canada uh specifically because like i said uh, everywhere that i've i've learned from it hasn't been canadians right yeah, yeah. um uh, it's, it's been, it's been Americans, uh, it's been, uh, Mexicans, it's been British, uh, but 
nobody's really doing this stuff in Canada. So uh, I've come back after, you know, more than a decade of going down to the States and learning this stuff and started to kind of mash it all together and then repurpose it and repackage it for a Canadian marketplace, like for, for a Canadian culture. Cause like I said, uh, I went down for, for a course once and it's like, 15 people in a room and I was the only Canadian and everybody else in that room was strapped. Um, everybody else was carrying a gun and I was just like, okay, um, I've got a pen guys. So yeah. <laughs> and everybody laughed cause they're like, Oh, look at the Canadian without a gun. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what it is. Like that's what we're used to. So we have to uh, not rely on something like that. Yeah. We can't just be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I see a sketchy dude over there and he's being violent. So I'm going to pull out my piece. It's not, it's not an option for us. Right. Yeah. Um, or some, some criminal here in Canada does have a gun and you're Joe citizen that doesn't. So, you know, you see something starting to kind of go sideways. You probably want to get yourself out of that position. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's awareness... time to be a hero right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awareness is going to be your friend, right? Uh, the yeah. extra second that you might be able to react to something proactively, get behind cover or move your family behind cover. Um, one second or two seconds before the shooting starts m might save lives. Right. And yeah. that's what, that's what we're kind of going for. And, and I, so this is why one of the reasons why I find that fantastic, because what well, we just had, in the last few months, how many cops who got shot in Bush and Bush across the country, right? Not just yep. Toronto. It happened in OPP. It happened for, um, I think he was a Toronto cop, right? The the one in Timoran getting a coffee. He was in the Peel region going to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was a, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, first, it's good timing. Second, it's perfect because our justice, just judicial system is just off the lunch right now. Uh, I mean, that, that, as an example, that kid who ambushed a cop has been released on recognition. Um, and he has three prior recog that he breached for firearms. And now we're still releasing him after murdering someone. Primer like it's it's murder first degree. So yeah, like it's 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 super well placed. Second second aspect which I find very interesting is well in in Toronto, for example, right, we have the Irish mafia and there's the Jamaican mafia, unless it changed. But I, from what I remember, that's what it we is. We got everybody here. Yeah. <laughs> there's those. We don't, and we don't discriminate. Bar. We got every criminal organization here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's another thing, right? Uh, like, I, I think as as police officer, constable, whatever we're going to call that, we get somewhat of training. As police, uh, as military, we get somewhat training. If you get deployed or you get on a course, you, you get that kind of awareness of it now when i was listening to it in the mindset and being a hypervigilant now uh when we talk to a, a person who's suffering from mental health ptsd from service they know what hypervigilant is like it's it's on like the head is on swivel and so on sadly um but what I, I came out when i was reading you as well is for a simplest way of putting it as well for civilian is uh your spidey sense, your 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 guts feeling, and and you mentioned yep. I believe guts in it, but there is that. Like if if you feel that there's something off, get out, and that's for everything. You can you can go to a party with a friend, uh, and there's you don't know the crowd, but you 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 feel like something is off. Walk away. Doesn't matter if you're alone. If I mean if if you feel like you're gonna be rejected after the fact, if there's something in your guts that says, 
no, no, there's a reason for it. We cannot explain it biology wise, but it does happen. And usually people are right on it. And, and that's, that's just it. Like, um, oftentimes you may not be able to articulate the feeling at that time, but later on, uh, people who've been assaulted and stuff like that, they'll say, well, you know, um, and women unfortunately have more experience with this, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll say something along the lines of, I felt something was wrong, but I just brushed it off. Or I, I, I said, oh, you're being unreasonable or you're you know it what could go wrong type thing and then something happens and it's because they didn't trust themselves now this is not victim blaming or or anything no, no. right i i want to make that very clear but it's the, the the kind of um reports after or when that's been debriefed as to what happened uh it's it's i i felt something something didn't feel right i walked into that garage and something was wrong I couldn't put my finger on it, but then five minutes later, I found out there was a guy there and he jumped out from behind a car and that was that. Yeah. And um, so somebody, uh, um, Kelly Sayre, who uh, runs Diamond Arrow Group, yeah. uh, she wrote a, a really fantastic book called Strong Women. Um, it's cor correction, Sharp Women. Okay. And she runs uh, situational awareness for, for women courses in the States. But uh, her book goes into a lot of detail specifically for women focusing on their um, uh, their gut feelings. Right. Yeah. And it is. And so when when I speak about it in negative space, a lot of it is the same kind of thing. If something's off, uh, because most of the time people are not in tune and uh, with their gut feeling. Right. Yeah. They yeah. know something's off, but they don't know what is off. But the more you use it, the more you listen to that that radar and um, start to kind of match up why you have a bad feeling about something and then later on figure out why did you have a bad feeling about it. And nine times out of 10, you'll be able to go through that process without any kind of ill effect, right? Like yeah. something felt wrong was on, well, I'm driving down the street and then suddenly uh, a ball went out in front of your car right yep. some you didn't consciously pick up on the kid playing with the ball but your subconscious said something feels wrong switch on maybe yep. you want to put your foot on the brake right and yep. you won't know until that happens it's just like when you're when you're driving on the highway and some you're, you're looking at a car up ahead it you know ahead of you in in the lane and you're like that prick's gonna cut that guy off right you just yep. know it and two seconds later exactly that happens and you don't know why you you thought that, but it does happen. And and if you start to pay attention to those circumstances over time, you'll be able to kind of zero in as to why something feels uh, off, and um, and maybe be able to build that awareness even better. Yeah, and and I mean the dimension of the vehicle aspect is right on it because that comes as well with uh, I was thinking about road rage. Um, yeah you don't know who's the other person like and that's the biggest thing right you might think you're really strong in your car and you're doing this Fuck you. Oh, yeah. and the, the the reality is that other person just needed that little you know um, drop of anger to make them blow out and and now you're in danger so i mean there's always as well i think 
something to look into our own action, right? Like accountability is another one, right? Yeah. If you're willing to do something like this, be willing for the re like the reaction is going to come, right? Um, and and you also there's um I've I've had the um the point made uh by a couple of people that are kind of uh big to me in the in the violence field, right? Like um Rory Miller, for instance, right? Yeah. Um, it, you don't you don't know what that other person's mentality is mm -hmm. um you know it could just be that you know all you want to do is vent out that you're pissed off that buddy cut you off or um or what have you and you're only willing to go to the point that you're going to yell at them right yeah but you don't know what that person's mental state is what their life is about anything about them and maybe they just got out of prison and are used to shanking people for looking at them sideways. And now you're getting into their face and they won't let something like that go. They're willing to go all the way with it. Yeah. You don't know. They might just be plain old crazy yeah. and they'll go, they'll wear your, your head as a hat. So are you willing to go to the same lengths that they're willing to go to, but you don't know what that length is. Yeah. So if you're going to start something, you need to understand that you're not, in any way capable of assessing what their end goal is yeah once they get going so is it like if you're not willing to go down that road don't engage in it yeah right yeah in yeah. the same way it made me think when i was looking into listening to your book you know because I, I told you before and people who follow this podcast know that i don't have any concentration so listening is easier um but uh it made me think of when jocko said there's no war that goes as planned and that's true. Uh, I mean, there's no fight that goes as planned, right? You can have the best training ever and then yep. the person pull out a gun, then you're fucked. Or they pull a knife. Or so the the engage. Or they get lucky. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or they give you a good punch where it knocks you out and then you're out, right? You're out if you don't know. Well, you don't know if you're going to wake up first thing first. Uh, but, but so yeah. It made sense, man. I guess it comes down to this. When I was I was going through your book, I was like, "This make total sense." Not, and I I don't go from a person who has training before or or seen stuff. I'm going with the basic, just me walking down. Uh, that is from Calgary, BC, whatever that is, maybe Toronto. It's not gonna be Toronto. It's too busy for me. I'm not going there. Screw this. Uh, I I even tried to not go to that airport because it's. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but let, let's be honest. Like it's it's the reality of knowing what is out of the place as well. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, you hear that, and this is where I find that fantastic because you hear that from guys who went to overseas, and some crap happened, and they're like, yeah, there there was that guy there. He was wearing, let's say, a, a shirt of this police where we trust and we engage but he was he had sweatpants it was kind of out of place and then well he showed up with a rocket so uh yeah it's out of place um but you made it for that person who walks the same walk every day um yeah. which i find fantastic because it made me think of me when i just walk outside uh with my rock sack and, and take the same path um it also made me realize okay maybe we should change your ways Right. Um, so, I mean, you reach out everyone. Right. Uh, and, and that was kind of the goal, like um, people who are security professionals and, you know, long careers in, in military and law enforcement generally will find a lot of the stuff um, 
you know, they'll, they'll be able to relate to the, to a lot of the material. Right. Yeah. But that wasn't necessarily my, my target audience with writing it, you know, experts are, they're, they're going to know that stuff already. Right. But for your average person um, looking to either establish some kind of foundation of, of personal security or someone who's generally quite capable, but is trying to dial it in those, that's the kind of, um, the audience I was I was speaking to and you know to your point earlier about the the way that I wrote it I wrote it as if I was teaching a class yeah and how would I speak to the people in my class that have shown up and want to learn about this stuff right um but you're right uh the, for the the situational awareness you know it's like what doesn't what sticks out um yeah. you know what's above what that baseline that we see right yeah um is there something that um, is, um, uh, is there that shouldn't be there mm -hmm. or is there an absence of something that shouldn't be there? Right. Um, that, that one example I use is if you've watched those Western films, right. Where buddy's walking into the town, uh, and everybody's looking out and they start closing all their shutters and bringing yeah. their children inside and stuff like that's not normal. Yeah. And, or it's normal for that town, but they know that there's about to be a gunfight, right? Some, mm -hmm. There's something bad is about to happen. And the, you know, the, the stranger from out of town is just like, whoa, what's going on? This is, this, you know, why are people doing this? Because something bad is about to happen and it's about to happen to you. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, do you, if you're going in the same area all the time and you know what it's supposed to look like, what it's supposed to feel like, and something is either there that shouldn't be, or is not there that should be uh there's that's an anomaly and it may be completely harmless but it's something to pay attention to yeah. right and um if you're not paying attention to those anomalies you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and, and some of the i mean the cell phone you said like don't look at your cell phone so much right um i mean as as silly as it is those are things we were told as cops uh, i mean don't look at your CAD. And so our sergeant, right, when we when I was on a cop thing, um, they were police when, you know, the computer was not in, in the car, when yep. it was the old uh, old tank, right? Those old cars that cannot be broken and whatnot. Uh, not the Fords. Uh, Crown, the Crown Victorias. Yeah, yeah well, they, they, were, they were Ford by all means, but they were not the new Fords. Let's go with this. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and they had no cat. They would like they would get talked on a mic and say, "Okay, you go to that address," and they will know the entire district by heart. Um, the reality, though, was they would see stuff happening. So we were told, guys, like just shut off your cat, like turn it off, close it, so you pay attention to what's going on. Um, yep. And because we are, I think, somehow, sometime a generation who takes things for granted because we see them, everything goes so fast. So if everything looks similar roughly we're good keep going yeah right um and there's exercise for this right where you actually let's say you have a, a route that takes you 20 minutes takes two hours for doing it just to realize what's going on and that's to be in the present and be grounded and so on and so forth but also you realize what is at this place so next time when you walk it's a bit different right yeah um and and yeah that will give you the cue right why a bunch of people would stand outside of a building for the fun of it in the middle of the roads they're not playing basketball or they're not, you know, they're not playing hockey and it's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm alone. Yeah. No, 
no, I'm not going to get screamed at. I'm going to walk the other way. Uh, and sometimes we just kind of forget because, yes, we're in Canada, right? Uh, although and it's Canada and bad things don't happen in Canada. And there's that's that's a, a, a prevalent kind of mentality that uh, people just go through their day uh, completely oblivious to what's going on around them. And if something does happen, yeah. the, the only thing they can think to do is film it on their phone. Uh, go away walk away yeah. but you know they'll start they'll see someone getting assaulted and the you know the, why do we have so many videos of bad things happening because people are stopping in front of it and filming it with their phone instead of either helping or getting, getting away help. yeah yeah um so they're just like oh i'll just stand here in harm's way but film it yeah why are yeah. you not getting away that, that's going to protect me because i have a camera yeah if yeah they, or, um... or the videos the videos where they get into a fight with someone or it, the fight is developing and they're like well i'm filming you the guy being filmed doesn't care <laughs> you know like it, it what what good if if he wants to stomp your guts out he's going to stomp your guts out you're gonna have it on film but you're still gonna have your guts stomped out yeah um so is that worth it to you you know um I, I, I mean, it, it, they've been talking about that for big cities in Canada for a while now. Like, it, they, uh, there's a term I know in French. It's called impersonal, right? So you don't care about the person, literally. Yeah. Um, they they would, and I think, is it is it compassion fatigue or overseeing, you know, homeless people or whatever the hell maybe. But uh, I, I remember a good 10 to 15 years ago in the metro of Montreal, someone got beat up and people would just walk around. Yeah. Because they have to go to work and they have to make money. Why just call the police like or people, whatever? Maybe. I, my thought is that people just don't want to get involved. Um, they don't want to get their hands dirty uh, if they go. And th this has been played out several times where someone who's a good Samaritan goes to try and save something uh, or or do the right thing. They end up in in legal trouble after the fact or they get injured you know, and then people are like, or the systems like, well, you, it's on you that you tried to do something right. Yeah. Um, and after so many of those instances being kind of put out there, people are just like, I want no part in it because it's not my, it's not my thing. And, uh, you know, that's what the police are for. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, when seconds count, the police are only minutes away. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, the, Ultimately, I, I think that there's a there's an apathy, uh, you know, for uh, across a large swath of our society, and people are just like, meh, it's not it does not directly affect me, so yeah. I'll just carry on. And, and I mean, for for any people outside of Canada who listen, uh, I mean, we had uh, I think it's three years, four years ago, we had a farmer in Alberta who, who got broken into, they were stealing his truck. They were stealing some of his, I think trailer or something and break into his house. He shut them. And yeah, he, we're, let's, let's pump the brakes on that one. Cause that's like a real um, political hot topic right now too. Is it? Is yeah. It? Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that came out about that after the fact, um, like they didn't just get shot there. They got, chased and shot later on and stuff like that okay and i didn't know that part that, i know i know you a got, whole lot of whole lot of stuff so we'll we'll skip that one <laughs> sure sure we'll skip but, yeah that one. But, but but all of that to say if you protect your your place you end up pretty much in jail until yeah. they find out different yeah um, we don't have like 
like the states so for all you americans listening um we don't have stand your ground laws we don't have castle doctrine um if you know if you decide to use a firearm you're going to get charged uh just like under a normal circumstance of using a firearm and then you have to go defend yourself in court uh and try and plead that your case was self-defense like yeah. and and try and get the charges dropped on that but you're just gonna you're gonna get charged you're gonna get yeah. arrested like it's all just gonna go that way and um so that's why when when i deliver training when i uh talk about this stuff it's from a, a non-permissive environment uh perspective because canada is a is a non-permissive environment we don't uh we don't have those um uh those options as far as force and uh and weapons right yeah. so we're gonna look at you know our wits as a primary thing, you know, um, uh, weapons of opportunity, uh, you know, everyday items that can be kind of uh, brought and employed to defend yourself. But uh, generally, you're not, you know, you're not going to have the option to, uh, to take up a firearm, nope. uh, or, or even a knife to defend yourself, right? Yeah. Because um, the dynamic changes immediately once something like that is is brought into the mix. Yeah. And, and I mean, anything that is used as a weapon is actually seen as a weapon. So it could be, yeah. it, it could be a, a baton or stick, whatever it is, uh, you're then therefore using a, a weapon because the intent was to hurt someone. That's um, right. Right. Because like for the longest time they were, they were, they were saying, people were saying like, you're not allowed to have a retractable baton. Technically you are, you can't yeah. have one. You just have to have a good reason to have one. <laughs> yeah. And it cannot be for safety. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of to, to me is a bit of backward aspect, right? Because, well, then why do you have a retractable baton, right? Same as um, bear spray, right? Yeah. Uh, well, why do you have bear spray? Well, because I hike. Well, that makes sense because we live in Alberta. There's Banff. Yeah. Like what what not? Why do you have bear spray in town, middle of Toronto? I mean, I don't see any bears. There, there are, there are. So the reason, uh, realistic reasons to yeah. actually have them in Toronto. Um, so yeah, if you say, well, it's for uh, self-defense against like, you know, someone attacking me. Yeah. You're going to be done for dangerous weapon yeah. um, um, uh, immediately. But strangely, uh, you know, we have a pretty significant amount of dog attacks. Okay. Um, right. Like pit bulls are a thing in Toronto. Um, and uh, that's a very divisive issue as well. Pit bull owners say there's nothing wrong with pit bulls. Uh, other people say, well, pit bulls will rip you apart, but there's been, um, uh, either way, there's been a, a significant amount of dog attacks in yep. Toronto over the past several years. We also have a, a high number of coyotes who have actually taken like runs at people's dogs. Uh, like uh, you go out for like a walk or whatever, walking your dog, coyotes have attacked people for their dogs, like their small dogs rather than just the person. So, um, you know, and uh people have had encounters with them, not so much being attacked, like people being attacked, but had close encounters with them. So, you know, if you're a jogger and you're carrying a, uh, a pepper spray with you, right? Yeah. It's especially if you're, you know, in the High Park area or the Rouge River area of, uh, of Toronto, it's not an unreasonable thing to have with you, yeah. right? Uh, due to the kind of wildlife that's around there. Um, but at the same time, it comes down to that intent, right? And how it's articulated uh, yeah. when you're when you're with law enforcement. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, um, I, I, 
given the option, I'm I'm just going to try and be aware and avoid as much as possible. Yeah. And uh, if it really gets down to it, and I have to put my hands on someone uh, because they're trying to harm me, I'm going to try and use my environment as much as possible, uh, or the regular kind of everyday items that I happen to have with me. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I, I'm, I'm with two hundred percent. Like, I'm not, I'm not pinpointing. I'm not saying Canada's better or worse or whatever that is. Just, I mean, that's the circumstance we find ourselves in, right? And you have to be able to adapt to the the circumstances that we're in. And uh, you know, we, uh, you know, some of us can, you know, are, are pretty uh, adept and halfway handy with a firearm, but that doesn't mean that we have that option, right? So. Yeah got to use something else uh but awareness is going to be your first your first and best um kind of weapon so to speak in defending yeah. yourself and and even like you were talking about knife statistically talking there's more chance that in a fight you hurt yourself with your own knife than you hurt someone else so or it gets dropped and used against you like it's yeah, yeah the statistics either yeah so and, and i mean it's not just we said Canada, but I mean, you go to Australia, there's no weapon. Uh, I mean, I was in Erbil, Iraq, right? And when we did, when we were doing a grocery and we had to go to the malls, they search us. You cannot have anything on you, right? Uh, so it can be a bit anywhere. And, and again, like the situation where you need to be aware is the same, right? Like what is out of place, right? Are you, I, is your hypervigilance a bit higher? Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's negative and I don't think it's negative to have a hyper uh, vigilance in Canada either. Right. Uh, you, you just look at the level of crime we're having crime rates are going up and so on and so forth. Um, people don't, I think you said it perfectly. I live in a nice place. There's nothing going on yet. If you live in a nice place, the crime is not going usually in, in a poor, very poor place. They go to the rich place to steal, right? And that's kind of the reality, and, right? And and even and and that that's to, to some degree true. But like um a little while back here in Toronto, um, this lady was taking a bus and some psycho doused her in lighter fluid and lit her on fire, like on the bus. Like she, she died from as a result. Like yeah. If, before that happened, if you would have asked me, well, what are the chances of someone being lit aflame on a bus yeah. you know, at Kipling Station? I would have told you, well, that sounds pretty pretty ridiculous, actually. Yeah. Like stabbing, sure, or a fight, sure, or shooting, sure, but lighting them on fire. But that's the thing. You can't really predict crazy and what they're willing to do. And, yeah. um, you know, that that was kind of right out of the blue. Yeah. Um, and so... I mean, situations like that, you're right. It, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if you live in a, you know, a quote unquote good area or a bad area or whatever. Uh, those are all really subjective terms. It comes down to where there are people. Uh, that's where you can find the possibility of, of violence. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the demographic is. It, there, there's bad people everywhere. There's, good people everywhere in every demographic and there's bad people everywhere. So it really comes down to those individuals and you're going to, um, you know, uh, just be aware, yeah. be aware. And, and the, the reality of nowadays, most people don't even know their neighbors. Yep. So you don't even know who lives beside you. Right. Uh, and the proof is in actually police calls where people, Oh, my neighbor is making too much noise. Go knock on the damn door. Just say like, I'm sorry, like my kid's trying to sleep, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't even do that. It's your job. You're a cop. 
we might have something else to do. Um, but the reality is this, right? Uh, so yeah, so you don't. My know call is the more important one. My call is always the most important because it's my call. Yeah, <laughs> you're totally right. I'm not gonna fight on this. You are very, very important, Boris. I pay your tax. <laughs> I pay my taxes in your salary. So go do what I ask. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate that. That <laughs> I heard that one before, um, uh, which makes me think about uh, Southland, the show Southland. The guy is actually having ice cream middle of the yeah. day. It's a warm day, and um, there's that lady who's like, "You're wasting my tax dollar." And he's like, "You know, lady, how many how many hours you work a day?" And he, she's like, eight hours." He's like, "Do you have any breaks?" "I do." He's like, "We do a twelve hour shift. Can we have a break? It's a warm day. I just want to have a snack and eat." And she's like, well, I pay you salary. He's like, all right, do you want a lick of my ice cream? Right. And I was like, yeah, like everyone is allowed to have that downtime. Right. It's, it's, uh, there's no yeah. break. Yeah. So. And yeah, you're right. You're spot on with it. I mean, you know, you're working a 12 hour shift. You do have breaks in there. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, the, well, they're not exactly scheduled. You take them when you can. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the break is writing a report. And yeah. there's nothing going on, right? So or same as firefighters who have now 28, uh, 24 hours shift. I don't know for you in Ontario, but- no, uh, Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Some some of them, yeah. Yeah. Or, or paramedics, right? Same thing, right? Like they, okay, well, we answer a call. We get a person to the hospital. Now we wait for a room, right? That's the time where we can eat and then go back, right? And we still have to attend to our our, our patient. So yeah, so um, I'm, I'm curious, right? Because you are- what is very close to hypervigilance is paranoia. Yeah, going too far, yeah. <clears throat> going too far, you'll you'll burn out eventually, right? Like yeah. you you can't stay hyper focused and hyper vigilant all the time, and that's like um, so the Cooper color code, right? That yeah. um of, of awareness. Um, so I talk a bit about it in, in my book and in training and stuff, but, uh, most people in the military, uh, and law enforcement will know it, but for the civilian crowd it's basically just, uh, what level of awareness you're at and yeah. goes like white, yellow, orange, red, black, gray, some versions of it have like one or two missing and stuff, but generally it's like, you know, condition white, you're completely oblivious to what's going on. It's essentially when you're at home in bed type thing, right. Yeah. Versus, um, condition red is you're in a fight you know um and then black is you your heart rate and your uh you has gone overboard you're no longer able to control kind of uh what you see uh, you know and, and hear very well and all that sort of stuff so um it's, the rage is the rage a, part <laughs> that's right so it's a yeah. scale of levels of awareness but if you're always at that maximum level of awareness you'll burn yourself out um uh, when I worked at uh, the airport uh, doing uh, transportation security, uh, the screeners that do, uh, like, you go through security at the airport, right? Yep. So there's somebody wanding you, you go through the walkthrough metal detector, and then they wand you afterwards, right? And then somebody beside them has the the baggage uh, yep. belt, and they're looking at a screen uh, with the with the carry on bags going through it, right? Yeah. And they're looking for for thread items. Those people have to be rotated every like 10, 15 minutes mm -hmm. because you have to be hyper vigilant for that period of time, looking at that screen, trying to figure out what's going on with it, trying to make a call if that jumble of images is going to be a threat for thousands of people yep. on the other side. And that's 
that's a lot to carry psychologically. Yep. So you can't do that for eight hours straight. You just can't. You will miss stuff. You won't be seeing things. So that's why they swap them out very, very regularly. Because for that 15 minutes, you can be very hypervigilant on what's going on. Yep. But after that, you start to lose that focus, yep. right? Yeah. So the same thing goes with how hypervigilant can you be out on the street? You can't be 24-7 when you're walking down the street or out in your day hypervigilant on everything because you will lose focus and you'll burn out. Mm -hmm. uh, that hypervigilant has to come when there's some, uh, there's some reason for it. Some right. catalyst that's there, uh, initiating factor that draws your attention to it and is like, okay, I really need to pay attention to what's going on over there because it is very interesting, possibly dangerous to me. And I may have to take some, some kind of action. Oh, look, it's nothing. That guy was acting weird because he had to sneeze really bad. And now he sneezed and he's carrying on and he's he's looking just fine. Okay, so I'm no longer hypervigilant on that person. I've, I've cleared the anomaly from my mind and I can carry on back to my regular level of vigilance. That sort of thing, right? Yeah. But yeah. And I think... You pointed super well because uh, when you go and I'm going to link mental health to it because it's well, that's what I like. Uh, <laughs> um, you have people who suffer from uh, coming back from war or whatnot, right? Where the hypervigilance is high for a long time. And one of the reason why it comes in is because, well, you had to you at war. You, you leave the camp, you leave the base, whatever the hell, maybe now shit can hit the fan quite fast. So when you come back home, well, first thing first, you have that decompression aspect, right? Where you have a three or four days in a very nice place, uh, which I don't think it's enough, right? The three or four days, that you, four days you're not, yeah. not going to bring that down when you've been in it for six months, nine months, whatever, how long you've been, uh, because it, it became a train of life, right? So then you come back home and you have someone uh, who come back home who's been in like very hostile environment and, and you're here where... There's nothing. And this is where I, I thought about paranoia, right? Because while your brain still function into that danger zone. Yeah. But your backyard is safe. So you think, but at least so you think your backyard is safe. Uh, let's say you live on a base. It's pretty safe. Uh, I mean, now it is because now they do check your ID when you drive into a base. They used to never do that in 2000, um, but uh, which was very interesting. I remember in Borden, I'm going to throw that out just for the fun of it. <laughs> they, they they have a jail right just north of it, right? Aurelia, I think it is. Yeah. And I remember I was there in 2006 or seven. I, I was there for four years, so a long time. But I think in the 2006 or 2007, we had a warning. I was on Path Platoon and they said, uh, just be careful. There might be a killer on the base. Uh, he shaved his head and uh, yeah. And we were like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Well, he escaped and uh, he shaved his head. So he looked like you guys. And we we're like, all right, what <laughs> the fuck are we going to do? Um, but it comes down with this as well, which the same kind of mentality. What is out of place? It's not his aircon. It's probably all his behavior is going to be because Although we're a bunch of misfit wearing a uniform, <laughs> there's different type of misfit. Um, well, sure, like that. If if he if he's not marching in formation, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
just or drunk, kind of, just being or drunk, drunk around, you know, walking across the grass, not in the same uniform, right? Someone's going to figure that out pretty quickly. Like yeah. try crossing the parade square or stepping into a guard, like a flower bed. Some, some Sergeant major is going to see you from half a mile off and start screaming at you. So yeah, <laughs> you'll be discovered pretty quickly. And that's, that's the anomaly sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's a good know, example. Yeah. Yeah. What's out of place. You know, if you're out of place, you'll be told very quickly on a base, especially a training base like Borden, right? Yep. Um, you step out of line and it's like, you there, troopy. And it's like, who's, is, uh, who are they talking to? There's 30 people here, you know, it's like, yep. who are they yelling at? But sure enough, here he comes with his pace stick and he's yelling and screaming and some random person gets chewed out for something. Yeah. Well, his beret was, you know, had a lint on it from, you know, hundred yards away. Yeah. <laughs> And you can't see it because it's on your head. So that's right. Uh, but but you know, it's funny because you say that I uh I I I train in um there is in Sejan for the fun of it, just training. It was civilian. I went to the gym and I was just taking my sweet time and I got yelled at very like uh, by the mechanics and they fucking yell at me. And I was like, what is going on? So I just nonchalant man, just turned my head. What do you want? What the fuck are you? And I was like, Yeah, no. And he's like, what do you fuck you mean? And I'm like, yeah, I'm civilian, man. You cannot yell like that. And his face changed, right? Like, I'm so sorry, sir. And I was like, yeah, good day. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, out of place. And it, it because our environment, our, our, we know our environment. There's nothing special, right? Like it's sometimes we just take it for granted. So we forgot those signs. So I, I think it's a good reminder as well for this. And um, uh. I, I mean, you brought a good sentence, and and I we I told you before before the podcast, but I loved it. Do not go gently, and it was related to violence, right? Because if you do have to uh, to resort to violence, give your hundred percent, your two hundred percent, your two hundred percent, and it's gonna stop. Well, that you're you're right. Like um, Tim Larkin in, in his book. Um, Violence is the answer. Uh, really fantastic book, um, and he he says something in it where it's like violence is seldom the answer. And I'm just going to paraphrase. I can't remember the exact wording, but violence is seldom the answer. But when it is the answer, it is the only answer, right? And if 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 you've done everything you can to avoid uh, that engagement, right? Mm -hmm. um, if someone actually puts hands on, like going back to my previous point is you don't know what the end state is for that other men, that other person and what their mental state is and what their end goal is. Are they, are they going to try and kill you? Right. Or do they just want to teach you a lesson or smack you around? You don't know. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, then it's 110%. Yeah. Right. Like maximum everything you got to put that, that attack down. Yeah, and to rest. Yeah, out. and yeah. um, another another example is like uh, look at a look at a cat. Like, have you ever looked at two cats fight or a cat fight something else? Yeah, not just like eh, eh, you know, or like you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. They go like a hundred and ten percent. It's nothing but claws and you know, shrieking and you know, fur and teeth and you know, it's just this big jumble. Yeah. Maximum violence. Right. Yeah. Um, they don't they don't mess around. Right. Uh, if you've seen, uh, you know, 
honey badger or a raccoon scrap it out they don't they don't mess around it's it's maximum everything they got in it to make it stop and uh, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna go into it bless you if you're gonna go into it then do it yeah right do everything you can to avoid it but once avoidance or any kind of mitigation like talking people down or whatever any way to get away from it doesn't work anymore and the only option that remains is violence yep you have to decide is do you want to try and make it out of this um and if you do are you giving that other person the power to decide if you're making out of it like getting out of it yep. or are you going to do something about it and it's a split second and that's it's the other thing second but um the more you train right so people that train in martial arts and stuff like that um are able to hone that mentality or that uh, mental process yeah. and dial it in a bit more. They, they, they can take those nonverbal cues of eminent violence, yeah. um, you know, and police officers generally, because they're dealing with that on a daily basis can pick up on those nonverbals. And it's like, this guy's about to take a swing at me so I can make a pre preemptive strike or I can be ready for it. And I know that I'm, it's going to happen soon. Yeah. Uh, but the general public, usually doesn't so what happens when someone you know has a go at you it's either you're gonna give them the power to decide what happens yeah or you're gonna fight yeah. and if you're gonna fight it's gotta be maximum 110 percent yep um with everything you got and when we talk about combatives um I mean, there's there's a difference between martial arts and combatives. Martial arts is that contest, right? Um, uh, more so than than anything. But combatives is just causing damage, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, a good friend of a uh, good friend of mine, Ace from Delta to Alpha Design, uh, <clears throat> comes into um, uh, Toronto, and we'll we'll run our workshops together, and he'll focus on the combative side of it because um, he's really uh, he's really a wizard with it. Uh, but the the focus is causing that kind of damage, right? Yeah. Maximum aggression, maximum everything you got. And it's not about being the better martial artist or skilled person. Sometimes using your environment is going to be far more effective than uh, punching someone in the face. Yeah. Like more damage by taking someone's head and bouncing it off a wall or bouncing it off what we like to call the earth, right? Yeah. Because it's going to win every time. And my hand is not going to be as effective at punching someone in the face as taking their head into a telephone pole, right? Yeah. Yep. So whatever is going to work to cause that maximum amount of damage, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I, uh, you're right. And, and, and I mean, it's, and I don't know how the MP like, training was by all means, but it's, it's uh, the, the MP stuff um, is, is the standard kind of law enforcement use of force stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's you know aside from um you know what you what you learn from the military side that gets sprinkled in but the general kind of law enforcement use of force stuff it's all it all falls within that that use of force continuum right yeah, yeah. and um you know uh getting the restraints on you know cuffing and all that sort of stuff baton spray blah 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 um but that's because there's like established protocols for people in uniform to do things a certain way. Yeah. But I don't take that approach with the average person because the average person 
doesn't receive that kind of training, doesn't have the, 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 the structure built in on how they're supposed to do stuff. They only know they're being attacked. Their life is more than likely going to be on the line and they have to make a decision. Are they going to do what they can to get out of that situation or not? Yeah. And that's if they're not in a black where they don't freaking. That's process, right. right. That's right. That's if they're still able to, to keep calm enough to be focused, to use what they have available to them um, to get through it. And like in, in our classes, I, I, I speak to two different parts of it um, because one of the questions I get asked is, am I physically able to do this? Uh, yeah. Some people will say before they come, come to a weekend, they'll say, well, um, listen, I, um, you know, I'm not the strongest person or I'm not the most in shape person. So I don't know if I can do all this stuff. And it's like, can you carry your groceries to the car? Yeah. From the car. Yeah. yeah, you can. Can you walk up a flight of stairs or two? Yeah, I can. Can you pick up your kid and carry them? Yeah, I can. Okay. Generally then, unless you have some kind of like disability or something's wrong, like you can't work, like no freedom yeah. of movement and stuff like that. Generally, if you can do those kinds of things, you have the physical capability to do damage to somebody else. Yeah. Right. The, the bigger hang up is, do you have the psychological capacity to harm someone? Right. Yeah. So those are two different things. And in uh, most places and most like, fighting styles and stuff will always talk focus on the capability we're, we're going to teach you how to do this and how to do that but when the time comes are you able to actually psychologically cause that Pain. person harm right yeah. and a lot of people will freeze yep though the, there's the fight flight fight freeze right yeah um and um realistically you know freezes is a, is a is a natural thing they just you know, you, you get overwhelmed with stimuli and you don't uh, have the capacity to carry on with what's, yeah. uh, what's there physically. You're, you're completely able to do that. Yeah. You know, the you process. Well, yeah. And that's why training, putting yourself in those, those simulated circumstances in yeah. a safe environment can get your brain over that, that mental block so mm -hmm. that when it happens for real, you have a lower chance of tripping yourself up in executing what you need to do because it's muscle, muscle memory, muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's why the military trains so much or should yeah. train so much. That's right. That is. Because you should, because when you, when you end up with those super high stress levels, you should be able to still accomplish what you're supposed to be doing yep. because you put yourself in that situation so many times before, yep. right. Stress inoculation. So your brain recognize it and then process it. I think the yeah. other aspect that is fantastic with the book, and I, I and I know you made it for Canadian living in Canada and so on, but it's good for traveling. Yeah. Because it's made for a Canadian as well who travel because you might find yourself, let's say, uh, where that, that gut feeling, that awareness is extremely useful, where that country violence it might be different because i mean each country has their own flavor if you wish um i talked to this is where your book kind of bring a bell to me uh, i had a friend i have a friend who came over two three days ago and uh he was gangs and sao paulo so okay it's a bit more dangerous than, than oh yeah a little bit <laughs> top three of uh, the worst city in the world uh with the most beautiful beaches um but uh he's like yeah he was he was visiting his friends a few weeks back and he's like we were in a little cafe and he's like you, you had that 
first guy who showed up in a bike in a motorcycle and he's like a second one and he's like you don't show up too there's something off and they keep their helmet on so he's still with his friends who are still gangs in sao paulo and he's like they all we all fucking went around and we got our guns down and we fucking draw the guys they went down and it's like they were uber or whatever like delivery food but he's like a normal aspect yeah. that does not happen it's out of the norm uh it, which which this is when I, I was listening to your book i'm like this is exactly the same situation where you're like they walk in uh you have the double kind of scene they keep their helmet while you're covering your face so on and so forth and your bike is still running it's still just outside of here it's some polo where theft is very high why would you leave your bike on you know so on and so forth um but because it doesn't fit with the regular thing right that, like the, that's the it. regular thing and that's and th those those specific types of anomalies or things that you pick up on and again it's not always going to be the worst case scenario no. but if you don't recognize that something is off and start deconstructing why there that you're picking up on an anomaly why is it not fitting um, you're just you're just ignoring a possible danger. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you can ask yourself: Do it? Do do you do it on purpose? Right? Do you close your eyes on purpose? So on and so yeah. forth. But yeah, I, I think that book can be. I mean, even for uniform people, it's a reminder. It was a great yeah. reminder. I mean, uh, I was going through it, and I was like, "All right, am I privileged for this, this, this? I'm paranoid. I have paranoia for that, that, that." Which we're just fine. I'm, I'm kind of totally just because you're paranoid doesn't mean you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? This is the other aspect where I was kind of mixing the mental health to it, right? Like, uh, the the paranoia aspect where, where I was like, okay, I know when I got diagnosed, my paranoia was super high. I thought everyone was coming for me, uh, from uh, where, where I used to work. So my hypervigilance was very high. Every car, and I, and I remember this. I, I wrote about it. Every car who drove in my back alley, who I had not, I had never seen, I would take the plate, the description, and so on and so forth because it was out of place. But it was at an extreme that's way higher where my brain was not feeling safe. But in those cases, uh, I mean, the anomaly was great, right? And and um, and and sometimes do we have to suppress? Well, we have to. And this is uh, okay, let me step back two seconds. Um, the anomaly can be an anomaly from where we're from, right? So if you're in Toronto, you see something, this is an anomaly and so on and so forth. And you have that guts feeling, great, works. Then you come to Calgary. Uh, yeah, it might be very different. So the guts feeling that you have in, in Toronto might be very, very accurate. But then you go to a different culture and that gut feeling might be accurate over there, but not here. Oh, right? and very, very much so. Um, there uh, circumstances are for stuff like that. Those anomalies are going to be um, environment specific yeah. a lot of times. Um, there are general kind of um, behavioral norms that happen, like human behavior across across the board. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it will be informed by things like culture, by things like climate, by things like geography. Um, uh, demographics like a lot of them fit into those things and they can be um uh, they can be observed and then dismissed because yeah. they are legitimate right yeah. but you're right uh something that's normal in toronto it may look really weird elsewhere 
right? Yeah. And it's not until you actually start to establish your understanding of what the baseline is in that environment uh, for what's normal that you'll be able to get that greater understanding. So when I talk about things like traveling, um, a huge component of that is preparing to travel. Yeah. And when, when we're getting ready to go on a trip, like even if I go somewhere for the weekend that I've never been to, right? Uh, I'll do research on that spot, right? What the kind of culture is, where am I going? What's generally going on? What kind of issues are, are affecting that place? Um, things like that, right? To get a feel for the environment. And when I get there, I'm going to try and marry up what I've, like the pre-research that I've done uh, to what I'm seeing on the ground to try and build that baseline as quickly as I can to see what's out of place. Yeah. Right. Like you go to New York, the place is a zoo, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it, there's so many people, there's so much going on. If, if I'm from, let's say a small town and I yeah. go to New York and I've never seen experienced a large city, well, you've just gone to like the biggest one. It's nothing's crazier. So you're going to be, um, overwhelmed and you're going to think yeah. everything is you know overstimulated too right yeah. but the noise smell uh, lights yeah everything. all of it all honking cabs everywhere the you know all of it but if you go there and you understand that the craziness the the, the overstimulation is is the actual baseline yeah. right so if you end up in a place that it's quiet and nothing's happening and there's no people probably that's the anomaly right yeah um, because there should be tons of people everywhere and there should be a lot going on yeah. like if you walked into Times square and it was empty yeah that is going to be a big a, a big red flag right yeah so extreme example but i mean that's that's just it so you're right um that baseline will change depending on where you are and what your circumstances are. And even in the same place, like uh, I, I like this example, like the, the Bay street in Toronto is the financial district, right? Yeah. Uh, being there at like one in the afternoon on a, a Wednesday mm -hmm. is going to look a hell of a lot different than um, 8 PM on a Sunday. Yeah. Right. Sun, Sunday night, there's there's nobody there. Yeah. Like that 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 whole area is just empty. It's ghost town, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, if you're used to seeing it super busy all the time, or someone told you this place is a zoo, like in the middle of the week, right? Yeah. And you end up there at a different time, the same place is going to have a completely different vibe and a completely different situation. So understanding how that baseline can change, even yeah. in the same place, is really important to understand what's normal and what's not and what to get worried about and what not to get worried about and it comes with knowledge right so your research you're talking about is, is straight on point i mean I, i've done those trips where i don't even look where i'm going and i get to a place uh i mean i applied in 2018 for what's the name protection police in new brunswick right and i'm coming from calgary where we're talking about millions of people to i think there are 60 to 100,000 people. And there is no homeless people outside at 5.30 in the morning. There's none. And I was like, this what do I do? <laughs> this is not normal, right? Because I'm used to Calgary where there's there's a lot. 
and, and uh, oh, there's no car. Now we're talking about one of the three biggest city for a province. And I was like, this is messed up. Like, what's going on here? It's dead. But the reality is they come out around 8 o'clock or 7.30, whatever to get up at that time of the day. Um, but it, it was interesting because, yes, there's a different culture. There's a different way of living. There's a different – I mean, I would say the same for from Louisiana to to Washington. It's it's different living. It's different cultures, different ways of, of being, and so on and so forth. Or best, easier than that, Montreal, Toronto, right? You have the French culture to the English culture. It's different. Um, yeah. So on and so forth. So yeah, I think I think learning from it is great. Anyhow, all that to say, I I, I love the book. <laughs> yes, after an hour Thank and fifteen you. minutes, this is what I want to say. Um, but and and I, I would highly suggest that to anyone. Like, and, and this is not only for the the civilian; it's for that person who wants to refresh some knowledge that they have, right? Because sometimes we take for granted what we know, what we learn. Um. So number one, where can we find the book? When is it? Is it out? So, like, what are we eating? Yeah, no, it's it's out. Uh, it's available. Uh, so either you can go to uh, to my website, truenorthtradecraft.ca. Uh, okay. You can check me out on Instagram, truenorthtradecraft. Um, uh, you can buy the book through through my website. Uh, if you buy it through me, then I'll I'll autograph it. You just put your note in the notes uh, for the order. I'll I'll sign it uh, with your name. Uh, and if you're not in Canada or um, you want to buy it elsewhere, uh, it is available on Amazon, uh, worldwide marketplaces. So if you're okay. in Australia, I've had you know people buy uh, copies of the uh, both of my books uh, from all around the world. So um, uh, yeah, it's available on Amazon uh, or, or through me directly. So you're self-published, correct? Uh, yeah. So people so, buy his book because he's he's the only one who's making his publicity. I know it works. It's a lot of work, uh, and it's I mean it's 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 all yeah. I I don't know how to explain it better than this. It it is a shitload of work to self publish yourself. Uh, yeah, and, that it is. Um, that it definitely is. But I mean, uh, I'm I'm really proud of the two books that I have. I mean, the the disaster preparedness guide is in its uh, third edition. So uh, I've. Uh, you know, keep adding to it, uh, keep updating it. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, well-received and, uh, you know, the, uh, negative space is now you know, very well-received selling well. And, uh, you know, a lot of the feedback, like the feedback's fantastic for it. So I'm very proud of both of them. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's that we sell, uh, you know, tools and stuff like that on the website as well so if you're into uh covert entry uh lock picking lock bypassing we've got those and uh counter custody and restraint tools um we're the only person only company in canada that 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 sells them so um we've got a bunch of that stuff all of our stuff is uh either american or british made so uh really high quality we don't sell crap um and uh if you if you're able to come join us for training uh, in person here in Toronto, if you want to host us, uh, reach out and, uh, you know, we'll travel, <laughs> yeah. um, if someone wants to set up, uh, some training and, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, uh, I like engaging with, uh, with other people. Like, I mean, um, you know, leaving the military, I'm a veteran. So, uh, want to support other veteran businesses, uh, as much as I can. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just stoked to be able to kind of continue helping people uh, stay safe as much as I can. 
I love it, man. Uh, all right. So I'm going to put all those link at the bottom here uh, or here, whatever it comes out with, uh, because we're going to be on YouTube. We're going to be on Spotify. We're going to be on iTunes. I'm sharing that everywhere I can because I think it's totally worth it. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, John, for the opportunity and uh, for everybody listening. Thanks very much. I uh, appreciate all your uh, uh, support. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All the best, man. And oh, and yeah. remember, if it comes down to you or them, send flowers. I love that. I actually love that.